Hi, I'm Cami Smith. And I'm DJ. And we are super excited to be with you guys today and share in a tradition that we've had as a family through the years um, with our kids, especially when they were little. Um, But it's just a great tradition that we've had with them. And we're super excited, like I said, to be with you guys. Our kids are grown. Most of them live outside of the home. Um, Our grandbaby lives in California with his mommy and daddy, so he's not here with us. So we have our daughter here, and then we've invited a few really cute kiddos from the Shine family to be a part of this um, breakfast celebration with you guys today. What this tradition involves is actually making a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas morning. And the cake is actually made out of three pancakes. Each of them has a very special meaning. And then there is syrup that has a meaning and uh, powdered sugar that has a meaning. But ultimately, it's a way where we can pull uh, away from the stocking stuffers and the presents and the fun things that are happening on Christmas morning, as beautiful as those things are, of course, and really gather around the kitchen table and take a minute to reflect together and help our kids even understand the beauty of what God did by sending his son Jesus to be born as a baby and ultimately bring us back to the Father. And so it's something that I think we've enjoyed. Our kids enjoyed it because they could relate and it's something fun. The smell of pancakes filling the air on Christmas morning. And singing happy birthday to yeah. Jesus. And having candles yeah. and all of that. It's just a really fun and it's a party atmosphere where we're just truly celebrating with joy his birth and the fact that he came because God loved us so very much. And then, do you know what happens? Because Jesus poured out his blood? We become white as snow. What color is this powdered sugar, Eleanor? It's white. White. Oh, white. That reminds us of how pure we are because of Jesus. And then, do you know what the Bible tells us? That Jesus was the light of the world. And I'm going to light this candle and put it right here just to remind us that Jesus came so that it wouldn't be dark and scary anymore, but we could have God's light. So thank you again for joining us. We hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Wasn't that a great video? How many of you guys feel like we need to just continue the game show, though? I I feel like, okay, coming up next is... (laughs) You just get excited about some of that, and there's so much energy in that. But what did you guys also think of that uh, youth video? Was that cool or what? So, 12 Days of Christmas. Everyone knows that song? Yeah? Has anyone not heard it? Was it today the first day you've heard it? Sounds usually a little different. Okay, we've all heard that. How many gifts does that represent? If I said, okay, I am going to go buy these gifts for my true love, how many gifts would I have to buy? A lot? So not 12, but if you add them all up, it's actually 78. Now, if you want to have the actual pear tree for the partridge, that's 79 gifts. And so here's the funny thing about that song. I I heard this on the radio and I was like, oh, that is good. I'm going to just throw that in the message. But Um, In 1984, they started using this song as kind of an economical index to say, okay, let's look at price of goods, what's going up, what's going down. So they would say, look, this year, if you want to buy the five golden rings, like if you're going to buy five golden rings for your true love, they've gone up 8%, you know, compared to last year. Or if you want the two turtle doves, maybe they've gone down by 9%, you know, whatever it might be. But in 1984, if you wanted to buy all these, it was $12,623.10. 
I'm like, wow. Now, you can't buy the people, but you can rent the, the, the drummers to come in and drum, right? But you can't buy the people. How much do you think it is right now if you said, okay, 2019 for me to buy all these gifts, and this is just for my one true love, how much do you think it might be? 65, 100 something thousand, anything else? It's not that high. It's actually, it's a really good deal right now. This is your time. Let me tell you, right now, this, there's a deal today. It is only $39,094.93. Cheap. You talk about a, a cheap gift for Christmas just for the one person. Interesting in the song, it's for one person, your true love. So here's how we're going to enter into this. You think of Christmas, you're like, man, talk about the stress of having to buy all these gifts and all this stuff. And before you know it, we lose sight of why we're here. And sometimes it takes that joy that's supposed to be prevalent and we lose a little bit of that. We get on the happy trail of trying to buy all this stuff. And how do you do that? How many of you are actually finished with your Christmas shopping? Okay. And some of us still have stuff to buy. But it's not about the expense. Um, Hopefully it's about... Us, why are we here? And back to, oh my goodness, it's about the birth of Jesus. And let's try to remember that. And that brings us to our third series in Advent, which is joy. And we're going to try to soak in that a little bit. Wasn't worship good this morning? Man, I I didn't want that to end. I just wanted to sit there and continue to soak that in. But but we're going to focus on joy today. And I think it's a good reminder. I love this Advent series as we've kind of gone through it, just to give you perspective. uh, And as we go to finally getting to December 25th and the birth of Jesus, Dan did a um, great job last week. He talked about faith. Before I get into the message, I was just curious, anyone want to pray just that God would speak through me and that you guys would receive the word this morning? Just a real quick, like that's it. One sentence. But anyone want to pray this morning? Okay, let me see if I can get you. Um, I'd stand next to you and you could talk into this, but that would be weird. So, <laughs> here we go. Perfect. I appreciate that, Mark. Thanks. So, Lord, we just love you. We just thank you for the opportunity to all come and hear the message today. Um, pray for the joy of the Advent season, and we pray this in your, in your name. Amen. Amen. That was perfect. Thank you very much, Mark. So, um, Dan spoke about faith, and I thought it was interesting, and I love the perspective of there were 60 of these prophetic um, scriptures about Jesus' birth. And he talked about the odds of just eight of those coming to fruition, just eight. Eight of those actually coming true would be a one with 17 zeros after or one to the 17th power. And I'm, I'm thinking if I had a penny right now, I flicked that in the air, I probably got a 50-50 chance of getting heads or tails, right? I probably have better odds of getting hit by lightning, which I don't want that, but... Also better odds of winning the lottery. And this is a one with 17 zeros after it. So you start to think about that to say, look, some people choose to believe this, some people don't, but there's, there's no unfathomable way to say this does not happen. That Jesus was born. He did walk and talk on this earth. He was sent here for us. And there's no way to deny that. And so it just spoke to me to say, and that's only eight of those 60 prophecies, and I just, I thought it really resonated with me. Um, last time I spoke, in a couple months ago, I talked about fear and insecurities, and I was like, oh, good, I don't have to get up here and be all vulnerable about how weak I am, and, you know, what's wrong with me, and here's my shortcomings. I was like, oh, I can do joy. Like, joy is, that's easy. I mean, I'm smiling already. But thinking about it, I, I 
quickly, and our teaching team is so great. We got together and we started talking about kind of this weekend, and I had most of my message notes kind of pulled up, but fear kind of start to, started to come off the page in some of these scriptures that we're going to read. And it's amazing why that would come up, but it, obviously um, there's reason for that. So I'm, I'm going to talk about fear a little bit. We're going to go back to a little bit of that piece to try to get to joy. Is that okay? All right, so the third candle, let me light it because I told myself I didn't want to forget that. The third candle is joy, and it's known as the shepherd's candle. It represents when the angels visited the shepherds in the field uh, and told them about the birth of Jesus. So we're going to pick it up here in Luke 8, and it says, And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. So we've read this many times, but the first reaction was, and they were terrified. And just to pause, you know, think about it. They didn't have planes in the air, Andy. Um, They didn't have drones. They didn't have anything at this moment to say, oh, we're used to things that all of a sudden appear in bright lights. And so I could get it. I'd be a little frightened, but they were terrified, meaning feared for their life, right? So the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a savior is born to you. That's an interesting part too. It wasn't just a savior was born, but a savior was born to you, to me, to all, to everybody, right? He is the Messiah, the Lord. He will be assigned to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. What's a manger? You guys, when you hear that word, what is a manger? The manger itself is a feeding trough. It doesn't say feeding trough. That manger sounds much better, doesn't it? But yeah, but think about it this way. Could you imagine, we all have, anyone have dogs or cats or pets? Okay, what do they eat out of? Could you imagine if we had a child and we're like, oh, great, we're coming over to celebrate. Where's the child at? Oh, it's over in the dog bowl over here. The big, (laughs) we've got it right here. But but think about that. Jesus, uh, God is making a a statement. Jesus is gonna come and enter in and where's he gonna be? He is gonna be at this level to say, I don't wanna make sure everyone knows that I'm not above anybody or anything. I have come for all. And when you think of it that way, you're like, could you imagine walking into someone's home and literally having their new baby in the dog bowl? Now, this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords, and he's the one that's in the manger. We could change it, as Donna, you said, feeding trough. We're like, well, we could change it to, and there he was, lying in the feeding trough. And you, manger just sounds a little, little better. But giving perspective of the scripture and not as you read it, looking at this differently than how you normally normally would. At least that's what resonates with me. So lying in a major. And then in 13, it says, Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see what has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I don't think I could sit there and do my job that night and watch over my sheep. I think it would be very difficult. Wouldn't you guys agree? Like, we're going to go and check this out. So, 
I mentioned this whole fear piece, remember that came up, and they said they were terrified. And Dave Dennis had mentioned last time I spoke, he said, hey, Darren, you know there's 365 fear not scriptures. And I looked it up online, I was like, sure enough, there are, there's one for every day. And thank goodness for that, because we need that every day. And it's interesting how, how God wants to use that to say, look, um, I know you're going to be terrified or there's going to be fear, you're going to be afraid, and I have to continue to tell you, don't be afraid. It's okay. It's going to be fine. But there's a lot of those. And this is one that that scripture here in Luke um, 10, or Luke 9 at the end, and then Luke 10, where it says, do not be afraid. That is an example. So it's interesting how God, when he's doing something great, this is amazing. Sometimes our first reaction could be fear or we're terrified. I'll give you another example of that in the scripture. If we look into um, Luke a little further down, actually Luke 840, I don't have the scripture up here, but it talks about the lady that was sick for many, many years. And Jesus now is in his ministry and he's walking and there's crowds of people. And this lady says, if I could just get close enough just to touch his clothes, if I could just touch his robe, then I'll be healed. And sure enough, she was healed right then and there. And Jesus said to his disciples, said, who touched me? Someone just touched me. And the disciples were like, look, everyone's touching you right now. You're, you're surrounded by people. And, and isn't it interesting how God knows? He already knows the answer. He's asking a question to understand the response. He already knows the response. But, and he knows who touched him because he felt that release of his power that went in and... and um, uh, and healed this this gal, but ultimately, the the lady finally said, "It was me that touched you," and she was afraid. Her first thought was, "Okay," and I'm I'm afraid. And Jesus had to say, "Look, it's your faith that has healed you." But knowing that again, it's interesting to say, "Is God angry at us if we try to access Him and we assume He doesn't know?" And then he's upset that we maybe did something we shouldn't have done. When this is, this is good and this is positive. These are good things. But yet it's a, an example of when Jesus did something great and our first reaction again was we were afraid. Another story here in Mark, if we uh, jump it to Mark 5, it talks about the man who was um, possessed by a legion of demons. So a legion is not one. It's the multitude. This is many, right? One man. And this man, actually, the, the, the people there, let me paint the picture, actually, and this will be good, but in Gadarene is where this is. So if you're looking at a map, and here's the Sea of Galilee, Gadarene is right here, kind of into the east. Let me pause. Has anyone been to Israel before? Okay. If you, if you have not gone, it is... I just recommend it. Try to go at some point because it literally will give you perspective and distance and where Jesus was and where all these points are. So you have Sea of Galilee, you've got Capernaum, and you've got um, this uh, Gadarene here and these people. They weren't Jewish, but ultimately this man who was possessed there with this legion of demons, they tried to chain him down. And he would break through the chains. Even the chains would not hold him. So finally, here comes Jesus, comes up, long story short. He casts out these demons into um, a whole bunch of pigs or swines. And those pigs then ran down the hill and they drowned themselves. So we'll pick up the scripture here in Mark 15, uh, 14. It says, those tending the pigs um, 
ran off and reported this to the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. (laughs) And they were afraid. You think, they have been trying to chain this guy down. We don't know what's going to happen next. What is he going to do? And now he's freed, upright, clothed, in his right mind, and now they're afraid. So you're you're trying to understand. I I don't understand that. But we dig in a little further here. So they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, this is interesting. We have people that were afraid once God has done something great, almost like, look, I'm going to help you guys. This is good. I imagine, I don't know how long this went on, but now we have this person that's upright, normal, freed, and yet we are afraid. The other piece is their livelihood was these pigs, so they didn't probably want Jesus to come back and back to their region because all of a sudden their pigs that were part of their, their income and how they ate and what have you, all of those had drowned in the water. And I think it's interesting that sometimes in order for God to do what he, he, he wants to do in our life, and maybe that freedom cost us being involved, and it might impact a little bit about what we do for a living. But at the end of the day, God has this bigger plan, and these people couldn't see it at the time. You know, they're, they're just trying to get to know who this Jesus is. So interesting enough, though, that their, their mindset was, again, there was a fear, like Superman has flown in, I fixed the situation, and now, okay, can you not come back? <laughs> you've ruined our city, you know, you've, which has impacted our economy, but ultimately not seeing the bigger picture. And I think in our lives we say, look, fix a few things, but don't touch some of this. You know, don't, don't, don't mess with me personally or my work or what I do. I don't, if you could fix this, that would be great. But if you start to mess with that, I have a struggle. I struggle with you then coming back and, and doing more work in me because I can't let go of that. I can't let go of what makes me who I am and my job or that security. And so these people were probably trying to get that and they were more upset about what had happened. Probably didn't even think about the man. They were just thinking more of themselves. But again, that fear of something great has happened and now they were afraid. I figured they'd be really afraid when they had the guy that was demon-possessed running around and they can't figure out how to chain him down, right? So um, let me ask you guys this. Um, well, I was going to ask this, but why do you think, just in your, in your perspective, but why do you think that is our reaction? Why do we seem to have a fear reaction when God is doing something great? Any any other thoughts from you guys on that? Yeah. <laughs> He's fast. That was fast. <laughs> that was really fast. Um, I think it comes down to control. Because whenever, you know, something new comes in or change, it's like it's out of our control. And yeah. so a lot of our reactions like, oh, I can't control it anymore. So it's like fear instead of like, oh, all this good stuff's happening. Our control, our own control, and I think I would 100% agree with you. We're so used to trying to control it, and a lot of time when God is, we want to try to put him in the center, but it's so easy for me to put him over here and then to me just to control this whole circle. I'll pull him over when I need him, but then I'm okay after that, and I just can put him back over here. 
I'm in the center of that. That way I've got that control. And boy, I've been, I've been trying to learn that for years. That's very good. Uh, another thing also, we pray for things to happen, and then when they happen, we're going, what? 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 It, 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 it just blows us away, and we don't really maybe believe it. Yeah, yeah, we pray for things to happen, and then it actually does happen. Kind of be careful what you wish for, but if God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't have happened at the moment, and it's like, oh my, whoa, is, are you telling me this just happened today? And how do our human minds comprehend that? How do we finally catch up with God because God is like you know this is I'm way out here and you guys are just trying to figure out some of this but yeah there's a there's a surprise element for sure that's great another yeah yeah a lot of it has to do with the unknown and uh, what we don't understand you know it's a spiritual world which is more real than our world the Bible tells us that that's the real world. Yeah. So seeing the hand of God move, it's unsettling. Right. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. I mean, think about those those the people in Gadarene to say they've probably dealt with this for so long, and one man comes out, and which is God, changes this in a second. And they've probably struggled for years, or I don't know how long it was. I'm not sure. Does anyone know how long this happened for I'd have to go back into scripture but I'd imagine they dealt with that for a while and all of a sudden this has changed it's fixed and how do you then it, it's just the power of so quick quick of, of that to happen to it feels like it's not real yeah and I imagine they look at the man and the person and they think you know they're just trying to comprehend how in the world could the Lord be doing this and this is in one man and this happened so quickly so give everyone a chance I think that sometimes we know how to deal with a dysfunctional situation and then God changes it and we don't know how to deal with the new situation. Yeah, like what do we do now? We were so used to being crippled for so long that now since we can walk, how, how do I function now? That has been my crutch. I've actually been used to that. So how do we do that now? I think that's great. Yeah, very good insight. Yeah. Uh, so, Darren, I think um, it says, your question was, why do we fear God when something good has happened? Not everything that we think is good is actually good. So when something bad happens, sometimes God allows certain things to happen. In this case, the, you know, their economy went away, right? Their pigs went, and they're thinking, wait, that affects my pocketbook. That's not good. And God's saying, no, that, that was good. That and so maybe good. our perspective has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. yeah. We're afraid of him um, when something bad happens, when in reality, maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. I think that is so good. It, it, it's back to my control. of I, I feel like I have it figured out, and I don't know why God would do that. But he isn't going to do something if it's not right. We just can't comprehend that. I think that's very good. Very good. Appreciate your guys' interaction. Those are, oh, Dave? Why would <clears throat> the community that they were in, of course they were not Jewish, why would they have allowed all these pigs into the Jewish region since, Jew, uh, since the pigs were uh, abhorred? Yeah, them. being that they weren't Unclean. Jewish, 
And they right. and they didn't, they probably didn't think about it that way because they were not thinking as Jews where pigs were unclean, but yet they were they were allowed there, which is interesting to 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 be able to do that. Um, okay, I thought that was really good to kind of walk through the fear piece. So. If we're looking at then the shepherds, we're saying we're back to this to say, all right, they were afraid, they were terrified. The woman who was afraid, obviously these people that were afraid. But let's look at the shepherds here and transition a little bit. They finally figured it out. The angel said, look, don't be afraid. And they're like, okay, I get it. We're going to go ahead and now go. Let's go to Bethlehem and figure this out. We want to see this. But let's look at just shepherds in general and this whole announcement of that, okay, the announcement could have been could have been in Jerusalem. I would think, you know, let's make sure it's one of those um, big celebration days, one of the Passover festival or something. You know, it's all crowded and there's lots of people and you could imagine, wouldn't God think this would be the perfect time to make this announcement? Like, oh, by the way, a savior has been born. And you, you could see it on the top of the temple, right? Of just, man, we've got all these people. Yes, that's great. I'm gonna tell all these people. It's not, you know, think of it that way. It's like it wasn't on CNN. Not everyone saw it. Not everyone got it on social media. No, instead, it went to a few shepherds in the fields. So interesting enough, the shepherds themselves, their, their, um, their job, would you say it was a high-ranking job or a low-ranking job? Low. Low and almost really the lowest. Yeah, and actually in the scripture... They would look at the shepherds as, boy, that's a, that's a dirty job. It says when they were in the field, and let me go back up here, but in the scripture, it even says they're living in the field. So think about it. They're camping in the fields with their sheep, and the angel approaches them to tell them this good news. Another approach of, again, saying, you know what? We're going to have to make sure Jesus is not in the hospital in an ivory tower in the penthouse being born. Uh, we're going to have the gold crib. But no, 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 we're going to put him in the dog bowl, right? I'm, think of it that way to give perspective of how much God says, I am going to be at the bottom of your feet to come up versus over you. <laughs> he doesn't want to be over us. And same with these shepherds. I'm going to come to the lowest level first because if I can show that, realizing that every single person is important to me. I don't rank things like the humans do. Um, you know, the, the, the manger is probably a great place and fine. We rank it quickly to say, how could you do that to your child? But it's not about that, right? So God is saying, look, I'm going to come in at the bottom here. Didn't make this huge announcement. And I looked at perspective of a shepherd of who they are. And in my own life, I grew up in California and usually when I say that, people are like, oh, California. So um, L.A., Orange County, San Diego. I said, no, no. Um, were, were you in the Bay Area, maybe Silicon Valley, you know, that area? No, no. I, I actually grew up in, in the Central Valley, you know, the, the hot valley town of Bakersfield. Oh, oh, right. Oh, okay, yeah, I, uh, I think I, maybe I've driven through there. I, no, I don't know if I have, no. Is it pretty flat? Yeah, that's it. And people are trying to, what's it called again? Bakersfield? Um, huh, okay, yeah, great. And quickly, they're like, no, 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 this is a different area. So growing up, literally, my school was surrounded by cotton fields and almond orchards and all that stuff. The good thing about it there is that 
There was work. It wasn't easy work, but if you absolutely needed a job, you could go work in the fields. And you could pick crops, and it was hard work, hard labor. And Bakersfield's really hot, a um, lot of agriculture. I always say there's never a field that's not plowed and planted there. There always, always, always is. But, but that was hard labor. It was dirty labor. And so in society, same thing. You know, if you were to rank different positions, that was the lowest of the lowest. Paid the least amount, but you could get work. And I remember my parents talking about that and doing some of that when they were uh, growing up, and that was an opportunity. So these shepherds were really like those people in the fields picking the crops. I mean, that's how I would associate it as far as our, our human rank, if you will. And these, um, the shepherds themselves, they were considered unclean by many. And you could see they're probably, boy, you've got you know some of their sheep that are having babies and uh, one hurt themselves and their hands are all dirty and they're just trying to make it through. But let me ask you a question. We realize that God had showed up for them to the most kind of unlikely people group. But who is really the unclean? When you think of it from that perspective, the shepherds were considered the unclean. And I did shower this morning. I told Curtis, he said, I smelt good. And I was like, I'm speaking today. But, and everyone was pretty excited about it. Thank you. He showered and hair, yeah, washed my hair and cologne and all that. I normally don't, but I was like, oh, I'm speaking today. But, but who would be considered the unclean? Is it really the shepherds? You're speaking of the, the men that Jesus referred to as uh, whited sepulchers and dead men's bones? Well, no, I'm just thinking of the, I'm thinking of us, but I'm thinking of the shepherds to say they were considered the unclean. And I guess where I'm going is that my hope was to say, okay, Lord, I am really the unclean. You know, I am the one that's unclean. I am when you look at me, I'm no different than, than the shepherd. We look at it from our hands being clean that I showered, but we are the ones that are unclean. I put myself in that to say he came for me that is unclean. And thank goodness he came. Thank goodness for that birth. Thank goodness now that I can be white as snow, not because of my own ability, but only through the Lord. And so it's the question of just saying, man, we think of the unclean and the shepherd, we are right there in that. We are in the field with those individuals. Uh, and those were truly, according to God, they, they're not looked at as unclean. But we're all saying we all need a Savior, right? We all need Jesus. Amen. So um, the theme of this has been what? It's been, and, and DJ talked about this and Dan, it's like, okay, we're talking about the birth of Jesus. It's coming on December 25th. But what else have we been mentioning? The birth and then also the, the return, okay? So the birth in Isaiah 9-6, it says, For a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His return, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18. And there's a lot of these scriptures. These are some that spoke to me. Um, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's any of us who have passed away with Christ in us. We'll rise first. After that, 
who was still left will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another in these words. Whew, that's good, isn't it? All right. I'm going to shift a little bit here for you guys. When we think of Christmas, we think of the birth, but let's say if we just thought of the return. Let's, let's think of it as the return. And obviously, we know in Scripture, only the Lord knows when this will happen. Only the Lord knows the day and the hour of when Jesus will return in Mark 13, 32. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, right? So let's say, let's say, this Advent calendar right here, let's say there were 10 days until Jesus was to return. Could you imagine, like Dan comes up here, special announcement, I just want to let you guys know, it is confirmed, <laughs> Jesus will be returning. We have confirmation of that. We're going to turn it on to the news network, go ahead and play it. And um, by the way, in news today, it was confirmed that Jesus will return on December 25th. Could you imagine if God said that and said, he knows the day and hour, what if he did say, just what if, what if he did say it is going to be December 25th? If that was to happen, if that was true, could you imagine right now, and I'm getting to joy because at that moment, space and time, are you thinking about work? Are you thinking about stress or anxiety or what you need to do? And, oh my God, we got to go. We got to figure out what we're going to eat today. Oh. I couldn't imagine thinking about what I got to work tomorrow. I, I wouldn't even think about that. Here's what I would do is I would get, I couldn't imagine even wanting to leave here. I'd be like, Janelle, worship, let's go. Get everyone. Ah, but, then I, but then I would catch myself and I would say, oh no, who is walking into McDonald's right now? Who's in the drive-thru? Who's over at the cleaners? Who's at the Chinese food restaurant? Who doesn't know the good news? Who has not heard who Jesus is? <laughs> Who in 10 days isn't going to know him and have that relationship? I need to make sure they know this. I, I got to get my phone. I got to go through every contact. I got to talk social media. I've got to get this out. I, need to, I don't want to sit here for 10 days and have this slip by. So when you think about this for a second, that perspective of, of the return, wouldn't it change everything? God is actually, in my opinion, he's saying, and we have our Advent. We are so excited about December 25th. But think about December 25th as that return. He wants us to have that joy. He wants us so bad to come into this holiday season and not be stressed out about how many more gifts do I have to buy? And is this going to be right? And is this going to be perfect? Oh, I hope I can get the time off at work. And I got to get this project done. But hopefully it's like thinking about, man, in 10 days, because it's allowed to be happen or allowed to happen now with his birth. I'll give you perspective. As I told you guys a couple months ago I had shifted jobs or careers. I, I had been in hospice in the past, and then now I'm back in hospice in, as of October. And usually when I, when I say the word hospice, someone um, has anyone ever heard or had anybody that's been on hospice, known of that benefit, heard of it? Okay, Norm normally when I say just hospice, you quickly think about who you knew, who they were, who that person was. It's a relative, it's a friend, it's a family member. 
and you quickly think about how much time they had left. And I remember, you know, in hospice, there's a lot of different disciplines. There's chaplains and social workers and CNAs and nurses, uh, home, uh, well, doctors, bereavement, volunteers. There's all these people. But I remember talking to the chaplains. And I'd, I'd talk to them and they would say, Darren, you know, I, you're not going to, this is so good. I finally met with Jim, you know, for the, the fifth time and he accepted Jesus, you know. And I, I met with so-and-so, and he didn't know the Lord. And, and I was able to meet with their son, too, because this hospice is about the family, not just about one person. And I was able to meet with the son, and they're not quite there, but I'm going to continue to meet with them. Here's the other side, is the same chaplains will say, man, I wish I would have had two more meetings with Jim. I wish I could have saw him one more time. I felt like I was so close. I don't know if you made that decision or not. I don't know. But when you're in hospice, it's perspective of days and hours. It's such a different mindset. And it's, it is actually, um, there's so much life in it. There really is. Because joy looks so different in that versus, in, you know, at least as you, if you look at it that way. I'm on the business side, but, you know, when you look at that, it changes your perspective. And we don't know. We don't know right now. I don't know how many of you guys have five years in here or 28 or 58 or 78 years. I don't know. I know that you being here are part of the saints that when Jesus did return today, we're going to be, we're going to go up with him. But we all know people that don't know him. So thinking of that to say, man, I've only got these 10 days, but putting it in perspective that everything else, this vapor of a life, and hospice when you're in it, it comes together and it makes you realize what's important. You just, you don't think about your car payment and all these other things. Actually, you start to get rid of those things. Like, "Ah, I don't need that. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of that. So it would change our perspective, wouldn't it? If that advent calendar was Oh, by the way, we've got 10 more days. Not to be a downer, but to give perspective so that there's true joy. There is joy, and thank you, Lord, for your birth. With regards to um, the shepherds again, think about this. They have heard this news from the angels, and this is finally the workaround. It's like... (laughs) Finally, I have heard this for centuries that Jesus is going to be born. We've heard all these prophetic scriptures, and it has happened. It has happened, and we are going to go see this. But it, it for them, they didn't have the word on their, my surface here, uh, and that we have on our phones and what have you. But they had heard these stories for so long, and now this is something that has happened. So this true workaround for them, and ultimately this true joy of what has occurred. So completely different. What's the difference between joy and happiness? What's the difference between joy and happiness? Okay. Happiness is something that comes and goes, and I believe a joy is something that's set in our heart with the word of God and the understanding of who we are with him. 
Absolutely. Happiness comes and goes, and, and joy is something that obviously is set in our heart. I mean, in Jesus here in John fifteen eleven, it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And this is when he was talking about, he was telling us um, and sharing with his disciples to say, hey, I am the vine, you are the branches, my father is the, the gardener here. But if you abide in me and I in you, I will be able to give you that complete joy. Difference in happiness that just comes and goes. Other thoughts on difference between, yeah. Um, joy is regardless of circumstances. Happiness comes and goes with circumstance. That's right. Regardless of circumstance. Um, when we were just talking about the Advent, if it was truly the coming in the next 10 days that Jesus is going to return, we have such a joy in not thinking about circumstance or stress or work like I had said. I would give you examples for me when I think of just joy in my own life. I think my wedding day, you know, it was be 25 years, just so you know, my beautiful wife's back there in the corner. Um, woo, let me tell you. Um, but 25 years next April, and I remember that day, and I, I didn't think of anything about work and what was going on, and maybe there were issues, whatever. There was true joy, and that joy doesn't change, doesn't waver. Same with the birth of my kids, right? It's, you, you have your, your children that are born, and it's like, man, at that moment and during that and now and forever, there's complete joy in that. That doesn't change. That doesn't, doesn't waver. For sure. Um, here's a little bit that I had wrote, and you guys hit it here, but it's possible to feel joy in difficult times. Joy can share its space with your emotions, sadness, shame, or anger. Happiness cannot. So it can be there. Um, Dan had told me this story about a pastor. Um, just trying to find him. Oh, yeah, Mike Colley. So he's the pastor at New Covenant Church there in Larkspur, where Dan had spoke one weekend, and he had talked about being happier than happy, that nowadays, us in, in a society, we are so focused on being happier than happy. <laughs> to say, okay, I got a car today, it's brand new, I am happy. Oh no, the payment's gonna be due, now I'm not. So now, I need to probably buy something else or do something else or grab that or do that. If I can just get to happier than happy, I'm going to win. You know, think about it even in, in the age of, of, of Jesus that we're talking about this birth. It's like, you know, I've got this camel and I've had it for 25 years. And okay, I just got a new one. It's a 2019 and it's, I mean, we're going to have it. It's, it's fast and we're getting ready to even to buy another one. Wow, you must be happier than happy compared to me because I've just got this old 25-year cam old camel. We make it down the road, but, you know, it's a little slower. But... So, <laughs> But isn't society that way? Man, once I get that, or if I, it doesn't mean you can't do those things. But just be careful that you're, you're not trying to create joy because happiness is a verb. It comes and goes. Joy is a noun, which is a gift, which is interesting. Joy is a noun. Person, place, or thing. And it's a thing that we have to receive, and Jesus can give us that. And fill us up, but be careful not to focus on the camel effect of... <laughs> wanting to buy that next thing to figure out how do I create happiness in everything. That's just an example of that. There was one person, as I close here, and Janet had told me about this. I thought it was good. Kirby Page, an author and a minister, 
and listen to when he lived. It was 1890 to 1957. And he said this, he said, the word joy is too great and grand to be confused with superficial things we call happiness. And I thought about that and I'm like, hmm, I figured right now, 2019 with the amount of marketing and social media and commercials and all this stuff, we're so bombarded with everything that society says, if you do these things, forget about the Lord, put, take that and put that over to the side. Here's where happiness is, as society tells us that. But notice that when this guy actually lived, when Kirby Page lived, this is 1890 to 1957. Now, Industrial Revolution, there's a lot of things happening at that time, but still the same situation or issue and probably a hundred or two years, hundred years ahead of that, everyone was dealing with the same thing. We were just talking about camels versus Corvettes, right? So it's just a different perspective. But this year, ultimately, the ultimate gift is Jesus. Our mindset should be, we don't know when the return is, but let's get excited about what if that was coming? It is coming. We don't know when, but God, God could make it happen on the 25th. I don't know. But think of it in that perspective. Think of it in that perspective. Don't rub your, your joy. Try to fill it in with happiness, but soak in and, and, and push into Jesus for that. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll close the service. Lord, thank you, God, for today. We thank you, God, for who you are, Lord. You are the ultimate gift. You coming uh, and being born, Lord, to us. And not just being born in this ivory tower, but showing that you are here for every single person, God. You come in at the lowest level to say, I love everybody, and I know everybody, and you know us. You know our strengths, our weaknesses, our struggles, our anxieties. Lord, we want to just focus on you. We want to have that mindset that if we knew you were going to be returning soon, whether it's days or weeks or months, um, but we want to have that perspective. And we know that all, everything else, all the other noise can subside for us to focus on you. So we thank you, God, for your word today. Um, we ask that you would just bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.